morning. Welcome to you all online or present here on this, the last Sunday of 2023, the last day of 2023. If I don't get to see you before midnight tonight, Happy New Year to you. We are starting the new year here on Saturday with a day of prayer between 10 and 4 here in the main church. There's an opportunity to come and sit and read and reflect and pray. We'll be using various passages from Jeremiah to listen to what God might be saying to us as a fellowship. Come and go as it suits you. There's not set times of prayer. Just engage with the reading and visual material that will be here. Uh, respond by talking or drawing or writing or modelling. Refreshments, I trust, will be available. So Saturday, please drop in between 10 and 4 here just to spend time in prayer, waiting on God and listening to what God might say. Uh, Friday nights in February, we're starting at Alpha Course. Sorry, uh, that'll be hosted at our house. If you want to have a word with us about it, Tim and Sue. Friday nights in February, uh, do, that's an Alpha Course we're hoping to run uh, for March and February. Um, if you have Christmas, well, please check and see. I am on. Uh, If you're not, I apologise. Okay, sorry. Yep, okay. Please check and see. Whoa, okay. Please check and see if there is a Christmas card for you on the table outside, because some of you have got Christmas cards from people who love you and you haven't picked them up, so that would be a real shame, actually, if, if you missed out on that. And just to say that there is uh, uh, some confusion in the bulletin. The front of the bulletin says that Mary's walk will be on the 6th of January. Inside it's on the 13th of January. Inside is correct. Mary's walk will be on the 13th of January, not on the 6th. She's moved it so we can have her prayer day. So my apologies for talking at you without my mic switched on. Thank you for being so understanding and patient with me. I think you have patience this morning. Uh, we come to worship God who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Is he like us or not like us in that respect? Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. So often we fail to be like that, but that's how God wants us to be as people made in his image. Let's stand and sing together by every nation, race and time.
Do please be seated and let's pray. Abba, Father, God of all power and wisdom, your glory shines in creation. You knew and loved us long before we came to be, and your love surrounds us now. Jesus, Son of the Most High and King of Kings, you were born into a lowly cradle, love's heart personified from cradle to cross and beyond to your kingdom throne. Holy Spirit, moving upon the earth, communicating and revealing God's wisdom, love and power, you open hearts to receive your love and you transform our lives. <coughs> Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you are God for us, God with us, God within us, and we worship you. Amen. I asked Shirley if we could keep the Advent candles out just for this Sunday, because it's still Christmas, isn't it? That's why you had notices from me, because I'm in the Christmas spirit. Um, and we've got a response on the screen. I'm going to light each candle and just ask you to respond uh, by saying the words in yellow. So, in our looking into the coming year, in our lamenting the losses of the year past, In our celebration of Christmas, in our caring for the world, in our living of life in all its fullness, Thank you for sorting that top count. Praise is rising, hearts are turning to you. Let's stand to see.
I was thinking about just how many of the people who welcomed Jesus were patient one way or another. I mean, Zechariah and Elizabeth, well, they kind of welcomed Jesus a little bit. Elizabeth at least was aware that Jesus was there or coming or on his way. How is Zechariah and Elizabeth patient? Anybody know? Any biblical scholars here can tell us how Zechariah and Elizabeth were patient? Yes? He had to wait a long time to get his speech back because the angel Gabriel wasn't very patient with him, I have to say. You know, Zechariah and Elizabeth, he prayed and waited all these years for decades to have a child. That's where the real patience came in. Well, how's that going to happen? He said, right, so Gabriel, that's it. We're not talking again because he didn't believe what I said to you. A bit harsh, but yes, nine months of peace for his wife until he got his voice back. He had to be very patient. Mary and Joseph, how did they have to be patient? A bit of uh, uh, imagination here. How are Mary and Joseph patient? Michael? Well, yes, there's a lot of self-restraint on Joseph's part. Certainly, indeed, they did not uh, have sex until Jesus was born. That's right. I actually think thinking of getting to Bethlehem, trying to find somewhere to stay. Can you imagine how impatient you might have been at that point in time? Where are you going to stay? Ah, patience, okay. Simeon and Anna. Waited for years. What have they waited for? No, that was, that was Zechariah. They waited to see God's Messiah. Both of them waiting, praying for the consolation of Israel for decades. Simeon, I can die now. You know, that's it, I'm done. Anna had been in the temple for decades since she was widowed. Just waiting and praying. The wise men? Yeah, again, watching, waiting, and then that long, long journey, months, to get there, to, to find the king. The shepherds, they weren't particularly patient. Uh, they rushed down as soon as they heard the news. They rushed and looked really, really quickly. But lots of people patient for the coming of Jesus. I was thinking about the need to be patient last night, sitting at the level crossing in Parsonage Road. I'm sure lots of people have done that. <laughs> Just learning patience. Waiting to cross the road, waiting for a train, waiting for a bus, waiting for a queue in the supermarket. You just have to be patient. Because the further impatient you get, nothing's going to happen any more quickly. Um, so patience, I think Joyce Meyer said this, patience is not the ability to wait, but the ability to keep a good attitude while waiting. Mm, yeah, I've got a lot to learn in that respect. And, and patience without being patient with people as well. You need to be patient with people who are selfish, if people are clumsy or stubborn or slow or late or annoying or recalcitrant or demanding or inconsiderate, people are like that. And you just need to be patient with them. And sometimes we can be like that. And we're grateful for when people are patient with us. Proverbs 16.32 says, Better to be slow to anger than to be a mighty warrior. How about that? Better to be slow to anger than to be a mighty warrior. And the one who controls his temper is better than one who captures a city. There you go. Make it your aim then to be patient. Let's pray. Lord, we live in a culture that wants everything and wants it yesterday. Help us to break free from that way of living. Replace our restlessness with patience, contentment and peace. And whatever we are impatient about at the moment, we release it into your hands. And we turn to you because you are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. So forgive us our lack of understanding, our ignorance, our lack of patience. And give us the strength to set aside our feelings of anger and frustration when things don't go our way. Help us to deal, deal calmly with whatever comes up and not focus on the frustration. Make us people whose lives are marked by peace. We don't want to be people whose lives are marked by hurry, chaos and disorder. We want to be people whose hearts are at peace. 
Lord, would you make me that kind of person in the coming year? Amen. And we turn to Jesus because he is Emmanuel, God with us. That means he's walked where we walk. He knows what we feel. And he's in a position to help us. Stand to sing. to read you a poem by Amos Russell Wells. Learn patience. Watch the quiet moving hours slowly beneath hard winter form the spring. Today the earth is locked in icy death. Tomorrow and tomorrow. Dreary boughs flaunt their dry leaves in mockery of life. The ground is adamant. No juice is run. The world is chained in silent hopelessness. But patience. By a hair's breadth, momently, the whirling globe turns nearer to the sun. And patience. By a hair's breadth, momently, the iron earth relaxes into life. Slow, drop by drop, the sluggish current starts through nature's myriad veins. The glittering sky takes on insensibly a milder light. The meadow softens. Through the waiting woods, delicious thrills anticipate the spring. For he, the life, the omnipresent life, 
The life that beats at every door of death. The life that broods in every sky and spreads in ceaseless widening waves to every shore has filled the world too full for any noise or bluster of his working. Naught to do in any corner of the universe but live and love and be the God he is. So shall I live when I am one with him. So shall I work in all serenity. So shall I face the cold or any heat, the storm or drought, and live my life through all. So shall I know the shallowness of sound, the majesty of calm, and so at last become co-worker of God's patient years. And words perhaps more familiar to us from 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Stand and sing together. I've heard so many songs.
God's love infuse the depths of your heart and from the depths of your soul respond to him as we sing, O oh my soul, arise and bless your name. Let's pray. Jesus, you are God with us. You know our world inside out. And we open our hearts and minds to you, sharing our concerns, listening to your concerns, your calls to act. You are the Prince of Peace. We pray for those suffering bombardment in Ukraine. For those pushed to extremities in Gaza. For those living with tension and violence in the West Bank. Prince of Peace, bring peace we pray. And with a baby laid in a manger, we pray for mothers and babies and those who support them. Give them the material and emotional resources they need in the coming year. With a father learning a new role, we pray for all that new beginnings and living with uncertainty. May they find you faithful as they keep faith with you. With Simeon and Anna, we pray for all who wait in hope or fear for life or death. Give them patience and trust. With Joseph and Mary fleeing their home to protect their newborn baby, we pray for refugees. Those who've lost their homes to violence, their livelihoods to climate change. 
all those whose lives are in danger. May they find shelter and safe haven with them. With seekers and worshippers, we pray for your spirit to work in hearts and minds and faith communities. Would your spirit work in us and through us to achieve your purposes? With those who speak up and pray for your will to be done and your kingdom to come on earth, may we stand and work together with them. With those in poverty, we pray for transformation of systems, an end to exploitation. We pray for Horsham Matters, that it would be a lifeline to people in this coming year, but through it as well, people would move out of poverty into a place of greater security. With all of creation, we pray for climate justice and an awareness of and an awakening to our responsibilities. God with us, send your spirit to transform us, to guide us, and to use us to change your world in your ways. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. <clears throat> we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the Lord, Sorry, with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I'd like to stand and we'll sing together, Merciful God.
please be seated. So Paul's prayer for the Colossians there in chapter 1. It's a great prayer for all of us as we prepare to enter 2024. Paul says we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Let me read his prayer to you as a blessing. May you live a life worthy of the Lord so that you please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. There's almost a little anticlimax towards the end there. Paul talks about being strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might, and you get the sense he's building up to something really significant. What could the almighty power of God achieve in the lives of these believers? Ah, oh, just that they'll have endurance and patience. Is that it? Well, maybe that goes to show just how important endurance and patience are for living the Christian life. After all, if you're entering a marathon, you aren't going to make it across the finishing line without endurance and patience. However physically fit you might be, you still need to have the mental staying power to complete the course. And completing the course is what counts. So make no mistake, if you're going to be faithful to God, walking in his ways, serving him in 2024, you will need all the endurance and patience you can muster. But thankfully it's not a matter of summoning up these qualities from your own limited resources. Paul prays that God will supply what the Colossians lack. And that he will do so by strengthening them with all power according to his glorious might. God wants you to make it. God wants you to be faithful. He's not standing there with a stopwatch waiting to see if you make it across the line in time. He ploughs his resources, his power, his might, his grace into strengthening you and enabling you. And yes, it will take every ounce of effort on your part, but it's God who supplies the patience and the endurance and the spiritual resources you will need to persevere in the coming year. So trust him, rely on him, pray to him, seek the Lord and his strength continually. And why this emphasis on endurance and patience? Well, because it's the daily grind which so often gets us down, which wears away at our enthusiasm, blunts our determination. In his Bible commentary, Arthur Peake observes that this equipping with divine power is not, as we might have expected, said to be given with a view to deeds of great spiritual heroism, but for the practice of passive virtues, since this often puts the greater strain on the Christian's strength. Peake's been criticised a bit for the, the phrase passive virtues, which could imply that these qualities remain effective whether or not we decide to implement them. But that's not the case. You don't have endurance and patience without determination. And determination doesn't happen by accident. It's an attitude that only comes about through an act of will. The Revised English Bible puts it well, as it talks about us having ample strength to meet with fortitude and patience, whatever comes. So yes, this is about being ready to face the coming year with its challenges, with what might be a long year, making it through with patience and endurance. Are they the same thing? Patience and endurance, are they both, both the same thing? Almost, but not quite. There are, there are perhaps different nuances to how we should understand Paul's choice of vocabulary here. Endurance, that's the temper which doesn't easily succumb under suffering. It's the opposite of cowardice or despondency. Endurance is the attitude which doesn't let circumstances get you down. 
Endurance doesn't slump into a, a morass of negative emotions and just give up halfway because it's just too difficult or it all takes too much effort. Can't be bothered. Endurance is about gritting your teeth, having staying power, pressing on through the pain barrier and keeping on going even when life is tough. But patience, on the other hand, patience is often used in terms of how we respond to other people, especially when they wind us up. It's about being slow to anger. No, actually, you know, waiting at Pastage Road level crossing. Actually, you need to be slow to anger sometimes there as well. But often it's people, isn't it, that, that kind of, you know... Yeah, you need self-restraint, which means you don't retaliate hastily when you are wronged. It's the quality which enables someone to turn the other cheek. Not from a position of weakness, because they're afraid to fight back, but from a position of strength, because they will not be provoked into responding in kind when they are wronged. So patience is at the opposite end of the spectrum to getting angry or seeking revenge. It's about not letting other people push your buttons, which is why it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Patience we need to be able to get on with each other. But if that's the case, why does Paul pray that the Colossian Christians would have this kind of patience? Who was giving them a hard time? There's nothing in the letter to suggest that they were being persecuted or that they were the victims of any kind of oppression or injustice. But actually you don't need that, do you? If you've been around churches long enough, you'll know that you don't need outsiders to upset you. We are more than capable of treading very heavily on each other's toes, aren't we? Sometimes we do so thoughtlessly or carelessly. Sometimes with a complete lack of consideration. Sometimes we just express our own anger or pain or impatience in inappropriate ways. Sometimes we can just be unaware of how sensitive and bruised other people are. Bumping into someone accidentally can cause a great deal of pain if there's an open wound there. So why is church like that? Why is church sometimes so full of, of hypersensitive people? Shouldn't we all just be loving each other with the love of Christ and rejoicing in that? Well, yes, we should. But church is not full of emotionally healthy people. Many of us are emotionally damaged, hurting or frail, grappling with all sorts of challenges in the past, the present and the future. And we need a lot of love and understanding and patience and consideration. Church should be, can be, and thank God it frequently is, a place of healing. But you don't need healing unless you're hurting. And if you're hurting, well, there are going to be times when that spills over. Where perhaps inadvertently you express your hurt and make others feel it too. We are all a work in progress. But we are a work in progress. God is working on us all and we need patience with each other and with him as he continues to work and sanctify us and make us emotionally healthy and better and more loving and considerate and kind people. Let you on a secret. Even your ministers and deacons are only human. That's why love, forgiveness and patience are so important in church life. Why it's so important that we accept each other with our inadequacies and failings because that's when God's grace can change us from the better, from the inside out. We need patience with each other because, like it or not, we're all in this together and we are called to support one another. Jesus really isn't into freelance Christians who go it alone. There are people on, on motorcycles whose sole focus is their own spiritual journey. They weave in and out of the slow-moving traffic weave in and out of other people's lives, looking for the open road where they can open up the throttle and speed away, unencumbered by other people's needs or issues or problems. Just let me get on with it. But God actually wants us all embedded in his church. And at church times, the church can feel far more like a slow-moving bus that stops every half mile or so to pick up passages along the way. 
Well, maybe that's what church is supposed to be like. The key issue is not how quickly I can get to where I'm going. God is far more concerned about how we make the journey together and we pick up passengers along the way. I was looking at the aims and objectives and principles of the expedition components of the Duke of Edinburgh Award Scheme, loved by many of you in years past, I'm sure. I was struck by the emphasis that there is on working together as a team. The scheme talks about how participation in shared experiences in the outdoor environment can develop initiative, teamwork, communication, leadership, problem-solving and organisational skills. Experiencing and overcoming challenges together develops emotional strength and empathy for others. Working with a team of peers in the outdoors, experiencing isolation and solitude, develops self-reliance and self-confidence. It's not about whether you, as an individual, can complete the course. It's about whether you can do it together. And that can sometimes be a blessing, that can sometimes be a burden. But it's not about how much you can achieve by yourself. And applying that to church, you, you are part of the body of Christ. That means we all belong together. And your body does not have detachable bits that can zoom on ahead while the rest of the body takes its time to catch up. And nor does the body of Christ. We're all stuck with one another. And sometimes the church feels a bit like a DV team. You can only walk as fast as the slowest member. And that takes patience. A lot of patience sometimes. But God places us together in his body. And the church is all about living for God and living to, for God together in community because God in his infinite grace and wisdom, has called together a fairly motley crew of vastly different people to be his church. Why did he choose that person? Because he loves them. And we're called to love them as well. And we're all going to need significant quantities of patience and forbearance with each other as we make the journey with each other through the coming year. When Paul describes the very different and challenging characteristics of love in 1 Corinthians 13, there's very good reasons why patience comes top of the list. And as someone who is naturally inclined to be impatient, I have every reason to be deeply grateful to God for the way in which he is infinitely patient with me and also grateful to my family for the times when they are patient with me, responding with forbearance when I am impatient with them. Love is patient indeed. I suspect that at some point many of us would have prayed, Lord, give me patience, I need it now. But beware of praying for patience. If you've seen the film Evan Almighty, you'll know it's a dangerous prayer to pray. Patience is a, a quality that can only be developed in the course of coping with trials and tribulations or really awkward and difficult people. If you ask God to give you patience, you're really asking him to give you a hard time. You have been warned. But how can we develop the virtue of patience in our own lives? Because we need it. I asked Mr Google, who kindly responded with 138 million websites offering a range of helpful or not so helpful advice. I looked at some of them and, and, and produced a list of what works for me, or at least it would work for me, if I implemented it a bit more faithfully. But one, plan ahead. Make enough time available for what needs doing. Manage your expectations. Don't put yourself under unrealistic pressure. Cut out or shelve what is not important. And if there isn't time, pray. God has a habit of vacuum-packing tasks into impossibly small time frames if he really needs you to do it, or of taking stuff off of your plate but put God in charge of your schedule. Breathe or do whatever works for you to calm yourself down. Count to at least three before responding, maybe even ten. Don't rush 
Recognise that your agenda is not the only show in town. You are not the most important person in the world. Put yourself in someone else's shoes. See things from their perspective. Learn to live in the moment. Practice mindfulness. Everyone's telling us to do this all the time these days. Don't be so set on going where you need to be that you regard the journey or process of getting there as a waste of time. It isn't. Value the journey while you are on your way to your destination. And it was Joyce Myers who said, patience is not your ability to wait, but how you act while waiting. And recognise that frustration alone achieves absolutely nothing. If things go wrong, look for solutions rather than just venting your anger. Use all the cortisol in constructive ways to innovate and change and get things done that needs to be done. Take good care of yourself. If you don't get enough sleep, hydration and food, then you are going to get impatient much more quickly. And pray. Ask God to be in charge of your day, your week, the coming year. Invite him to take charge of what happens and of how you respond to it. And then when things go wrong, you can at least tell yourself that God saw this coming. Didn't catch him by surprise. He knows what he's doing. I've committed myself in this situation to him. Lord, give me the grace to cope and cope with it well. So let me leave you with a prayer. Slow me down, Lord. Ease the pounding of my heart by the quietening of my mind. Steady my hurried pace with a vision of the eternal reach of time. And give me amidst the confusion of my day the calmness of the everlasting hills. Break the tension of my nerves and muscles with the soothing music of the singing streams that live in my memory. Help me to know the restoring power of sleep. And teach me the art of taking minute vacations, of slowing down to look at a flower, to chat with a friend, to pat a dog, to read a few lines from a good book. Remind me each day of the fable of the hare and the tortoise, that I may know that the race is not always to the swift, that there is more to life than measuring its speed. Let me look upwards into the branches of the towering oak and know that it grew great and strong because it grew slowly and well. Slow me down, Lord. And inspire me to send my roots deep down into the soil of life's enduring values that I may grow upwards towards the sky of my greater destiny. Amen. The prayer team, as ever, is available at the end of the service. If you'd like to come forward, there are people who are available to pray with you. But we close by singing, Praise my soul, the King of Heaven.
bless each other and commend each other to God for the coming year as we say the words of the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.